0: I just have a message that I want to bring to you a little off, you know, what we've been doing, being, uh, teaching through Hebrews. I just want to give you a message tonight that I've entitled, A Lifestyle of Thanksgiving. Anybody thankful out there? Seen pictures, heard stories, (laughs) felt it. I want to talk to you about Thanksgiving, so let's just bring ourselves before the Lord tonight. the main text is going to be out of Colossians 3. If you want to turn to Colossians 3, uh, verses 14 through 16, it's going to be our main text. Let's just thank God for the word, and uh, and then I'm going to read it to you. Father, we thank you tonight for worship in this place and that we could linger, and I pray that we will learn to wade deep in to worship, Lord God, and get lost in your presence, Lord. Teach us to linger. Teach us to... Press in so that we can find the hidden treasures that come to those who seek you. Father, I pray that our hearts are ready for the word tonight and that you'd encourage us. And Father, some of the testimonies we're going to hear tonight, I pray that that would encourage us as well. And Lord, I'm just uh, thanking you for your word tonight and for the fact that we are to be a thankful people. Teach us, Lord, to always be thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. So Colossians 3, 14 through 16 says, Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I want to do something tonight. I want you to close your eyes, not look at your Bibles, and just, now that you heard that, you know I'm not making anything up, just listen to me read the word and let it penetrate, amen? Eyes closed. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This message out of Colossians here is simple, it's short, it's not going to take just two or three hours, that's all it's going to take. But it's a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Now, for Christians, thanksgiving has to be a lifestyle. And I'm going to talk to you about that, but here's three things that Thanksgiving can't be. Number one, it can't just be a yearly holiday where we remember the humble beginnings of our nation. Now, it is a holiday, not that it's holy, but it is a time of remembrance, and we should remember where we've come from. There's a whole lot in our country that is part of what I call the hate America crowd. And you know what? That's not Thanksgiving. That's ungratefulness, and we're going to talk about that. We should be very thankful for the nation that we live in. In fact, we're the only nation that has to put up walls to keep people from coming in. Other nations put up walls to keep their people from escaping. That should tell you something. So Thanksgiving is a a national time where we call it a holiday, and we think about the humble beginnings of our nation, that the pilgrims came here, and they lived among the indigenous people, and you know, there again, we started off so small and so innocent, and what we have progressed into these days should give us pause. But Thanksgiving has to be more than just a holiday. It has to be more than a traditional family feast. You know, to some people, Thanksgiving's all about family, and that's a good thing, amen? We need more of that, amen? We need more meals around the family table. Come on. Because the family table is where bonds of unity are made, and where uh, the things of God are transferred, and traditions are passed down, and you get to hear from different generations. I remember just listening to uncles and aunts at at holiday gatherings, and the stories that I heard from some of my uncles that were in World War II, just an amazing time of connection. But you have to understand, Thanksgiving's got to be more than just a tradition, more than just a family time. More than just, you know, this feast where, you know, we have turkey and stuffing and grandma's secret recipe. Everybody's grandma's got a secret recipe, right? Be careful she don't take it to the grave with her like Grandma Ferreira did. So Thanksgiving's got to be more than that. Can I hear an amen from this lively crowd tonight? Amen. Thanksgiving's got to be more than just a social event. For some people, there's no family component. They could care less about our nation. They're grumbling and complaining about it. But it's just a time of socializing, followed by gluttony, followed by football, followed by Black Friday. For some people, that's what it is. I mean, think about that. We're the only country where one day we could be thankful, and the next day we would kill each other over a TV at Walmart. Come on. It's got to be more than that. For the Christian, Thanksgiving has to be a lifestyle. And you say, well, why? Why? Can't it just be a remembrance? Can't it just be a day? No, it's got to be a lifestyle. Because listen, the minute you and I stop being thankful, we start becoming ungrateful. This is going to be worth coming here for tonight. The minute you and I stop being thankful for what we have, for how we're blessed, for the people in our lives, for the spouse that we have, for the, children, for the material things. The minute you and I stop being thankful, we start becoming ungrateful. And that is a bad thing. And we see the fruit of ungratefulness in our nation in a lot of ways. And we see it in the generations. Every generation wants more and more, is entitled to more and more. I think about the simplicity of my grandfather's generation. I mean, if they, had, if they had one car and a house to live in that they could pay the mortgage for, wow, they thought they were rich people. Now we need this house and a vacation house and a summer house and this car and that car and five cars and a boat and, we have, and on and on it goes yet we're less happy than they were in their simplicity so the minute we stop being thankful we start becoming ungrateful second timothy 3:2 shows us that ungratefulness is not just you know a, a negative you know personality trait but it's a serious sin and it is a sign of the times in the last days second timothy 3:2 says this for In the last days, what? Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, and unholy. Did you hear ungrateful was in there? it's not a personality defect it's not just because you know you got old and you got crusty and crotchety no it's a serious sin and it's a sign of the end times in the last days i mean look what it says lovers of self lovers of money boastful arrogant revilers, disobedient to parents ungrateful and unholy do we see any of these things around us if not we need to open our eyes Because the signs of the times are there and ungratefulness is there and it's a serious sin and it's something that Christians should root out of our hearts completely. Now our text was Colossians 3, 14 through 16 and we read it and Paul shows us a path that leads to a lifestyle of thanksgiving in this text. The first part of it was beyond all these things put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. Let's talk about that. How do you live a lifestyle of thanksgiving number one living a lifestyle of thanksgiving requires being a lover anybody love love anybody like being a lover so much good comes out of the expression of love when god expresses himself through us god is love and those of us who come to him must you know realize that's his nature so if we're going to reflect him if we're going to be christians we have to be lovers amen amen cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving requires us to be lovers now being a loving person isn't just a personality trait do you you see how certain people they're just naturally you know they're they're loving do you ever meet people like that two people i mean some people it's just easy for them right And you say, well, it's just a personality trait. You're born with it. No, being loving isn't a personality trait. It's not a cultural construct. Well, this group of people, you know, this one one tribe in the middle of the Amazon, they're really loving because that's their culture. It's not a cultural construct. It's not, you know, something you're born with or you're not born with. It's not, you know, something that, you know, you inherited. It's not an anomaly for a few special people who were just born loving. No, being a loving person is a choice. See what it says here. Beyond all these things, put on love. I want you to hear that. It's implying that you can put on love now, not putting it on in a way that's you know, disingenuous or, or kind of like a, a front or a show, but putting it on like a garment. You say, how, how do you do that? Well, the closer we get to God and the more we fall in love with him, the more we begin to reflect his nature, and God is love. If we're to put love on like a garment, we have to get close to God until we begin to reflect his nature. Put on love. Listen, it becomes very hard to remain thankful if we're, not, if we're motivated by anything other than love. You see, you know what steals our thanksgiving away? You know what makes our thankful heart come to the place where it's ungrateful? It's when we stop loving. See, in any other condition, it's hard to be thankful. Why? Because only love is unselfish. Everything else is selfish. Only love is others-centered. You know the key to be loving is to stop looking inward so much and look outward. Being loving is others-centered. Now, you might have thought, man, I just wanted some Hebrews tonight. And we're, we're knee-deep in this stuff, and now I got to put on love like a garment and be like God and reflect his nature and push aside on gratefulness. Yeah, it's all about being other centered and self-sacrificing and more focused on giving than getting. We live in a world that's all about getting, 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 getting. When I got mine, then maybe I'll be nice to you, but I got to get mine. That's not love. Look, and if you you think you don't struggle with this, you're not looking close enough in the mirror. I struggle with it. You struggle with it. Our nature is to be selfish, but God wants us to put on love like a garment. If we do, we'll be able to maintain a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If we don't, it's going to be really difficult. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says this about love. Love is patient, you've heard it. Love is kind, it's not jealous. Love does not brag, It it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, it is not provoked easily, does not take into account wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. If you want to understand how to love, follow Jesus to the cross. I encourage you to meditate on 1 Corinthians 13 and get those principles in your heart and choose to put love on like a garment so that you can maintain a lifestyle of thanksgiving. The second way we maintain a lifestyle of thanksgiving is this. We have to rely on a special bond. Look what it says there, that we put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I want to talk about this bond of unity. Uh, love is what connects us to the body of Christ. Jesus said, you'll know my disciples by what? Their love for one another. Come on, any Christians here tonight? <laughs> you'll know my disciples what? By, you know, by how they get along, or by how they all have the same political opinion, or by how you know, they all make the same amount of... No, you'll know them... By their love for one another. So, love is this bond of unity that connects us to the body of Christ. Unity is not the byproduct of man's ability to compromise. That was a mouthful, but you need to think about it because it's what the Holy Spirit put on my heart for you tonight. See, our world says if you want unity, you've got to compromise. And you've got to compromise with the world. And some Christians have. Come on, it's quiet tonight. You're going to be stuffing your face tomorrow. Have a little spiritual food with me tonight. So here it is. You know, well, if you want unity, you have to compromise. And this is what's pushed on the church, and it's pushed on Christians. And like I said, some Christians do compromise with the world. And, you know, they'll tolerate all kinds of wickedness, and they'll, they'll be all right with it, and they'll just, you know, not, not confront it. And, and all it does is dilute our faith, and we get further away from God, and we lose the love that we have, and we get disgruntled, and we become ungrateful, and it's a downward spiral. But this bond of unity that comes from being part of the body of Christ, it doesn't require compromise. Unity is a gift that Jesus purchased for us as believers. We do not have unity with the world. Please, Christians, stop trying to unify yourself with the world. The Bible says that what if we love the world, we are enemies of God. What fellowship does darkness have with light? I saw some people online, some Christians standing up for righteousness, talking about, you know, protecting the lives of the unborn. And this other Christian attacked them and said, you're being divisive and you're breaking our unity. And I wanted to jump through the screen and grab that person and shake them and say we are not supposed to have unity with the world. Us compromising our moral stances so that we can have unity with the world is foolishness. It dilutes the church and perverts the gospel. You and I are not supposed to have unity with people who, who are, you know, want to abort babies and, and redefine gender and all these things. No, we love them, we pray for them, but we don't compromise with them because then it's not the gospel anymore. Then we're not light at all, and then we have no power to dispel the darkness. So our unity is not with the world. Our unity is in the body of Christ. And when you and I learn to appreciate the amazing benefits and privileges that are afforded to us every day by being part of the family of God, we are going to be grateful and overflow to thanksgiving. Do you know what should make us grateful and thankful? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's in the body. It's this special bond of unity that comes when we're filled with love and we love one another and we are the family of God. Oh, what a blessing it is there. The soul that says, well, I don't need the body of Christ. I don't need anybody else. I I can do it all myself. You know, that, that disconnected person, that's the person that slips back to being ungrateful and is not thankful. Why? Because that's a hard way to live. Doing it without your brothers and sisters, doing it without the family of God, trying to make it all happen on your own, even without Jesus. Living a life of thanksgiving requires us to be lovers. It requires us to exploit that special bond that comes from being part of the family of God. And number three, I'll close with this. Told you it wasn't going to be long and painful. Living a lifestyle of thanksgiving requires one last thing, and that's the acceptance of peace. Look what it says here. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. So it says put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. So there it is. It's the love component. It's the body of uh, Christ component. It's that unity bond there that that all brings us, what, to thanksgiving. And then uh, it says, and be thankful. But it's letting the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Now, there again, notice, when it says let, that means we have a choice. Jesus left us peace as an inheritance. You say, well, I got no peace, and somewhere Down the the line, we have chosen to cast the peace aside and take the cares of the world upon us, and we've become anxious. So there's a peace component here that is required for thanksgiving. If you and I don't have peace in our hearts, if we're not lovers, if we're not unified with the body of Christ, out of step with the world but in step with the things of God and we have no peace, and we're not going to be able to remain thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Listen, to be thankful to the point where thankfulness becomes a lifestyle, we're going to have to have peace in five key areas, and I'm going to read them to you. The first area that we've got to have peace is, is this. It, we have to have peace about our eternal destiny. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? then you're saved and on your way to heaven. Amen? Are you at peace with that? Does the devil tell you you're not going to make it, you're lost, it didn't work for you, it's going to work for everybody else, you're, you're only half saved or you never really meant it or, you know, you should probably just go back to the way. Does the devil mess with you or just with me? Come on. You and I need to have peace about our eternal destiny. I'm saved and I know it. That should be the cry of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. You see, when you're saved and you know it, you can't help but being thankful. It doesn't matter. It's like the song we sang tonight. You know, it doesn't matter what the world throws at us, amen? I know my God's made a way, and the way's name is Jesus, and I'm saved. So you need to have peace, number one, with your eternal destiny. Number two, you need to have peace with your station in life. I know who I am and what I'm here for. This is hard for some of us. And and we think, well, it must be something magnanimous and big and lofty with a title. No, sometimes it's not. But it's better to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Amen. It's better to be humble and small and just be doing. Some of us are just here to be a testimony. Some of us are just here to raise godly kids. Some of us are just here to have a consistent lifestyle that models Christianity for the next generation. We need to be at peace with our station in life. Number three, we need to be at peace with our gifts and our weaknesses. We've all got gifts and their strengths, and we all have weaknesses, amen? There's none of us that don't have any weaknesses. There's some people who try to be strong, appear strong in everything, but it's a facade. Come on, all of us have weaknesses. God didn't make us any of us totally complete. Why? Because we need each other. We're a body. I I see it in marriage. Where I'm weak, my wife is strong. Where my wife is weak, I'm strong. We balance each other out perfectly, amen? She's not trying to be me, I'm not trying to be her. She's not trying to outmail me, and I'm not trying to outcry her, amen? (laughs) You get this? The world doesn't get this. We've got to be at peace with our gifts and our strengths and our weaknesses. I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not. I know my limitations. Come on. You see, people who are just constantly trying to push the envelope and trying to be strong where they're not strong and and trying to cover up weakness, they're they're never thankful. They're never at peace. They're always striving, and and it, it sucks the love and the joy out of our living. Number four, we've got to be at peace with the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm not the boss, and I'm okay with that. We love him as Savior, but not so much as Lord, but Jesus is both Savior and Lord. And we've got to be at peace with that. If we're constantly bucking the will of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit and trying to do our own thing, we're going to miss God's thing. And there's no peace in that, and there's no thanksgiving in that. There's more striving and frustration. Number five, the last key that we need to be at peace with if we're going to have a lifestyle of thanksgiving is this, laying our lives down for the kingdom of God. And some of us might think, well, what, what, that's just for pastors and fivefold ministry and, and evangelists and missionaries, right? No, that's for all of us. All of us have to lose our lives so that we can find it. But if we try to save our lives, what, we're going to lose them. All of us have a cross to carry. Well, I don't carry no cross. Well, then you can't be a disciple. Well, you know, I, I want to live my life. I want to enjoy it. Jesus said you're going to lose it. You and I have to be at peace for laying our lives down for kingdom things, amen? Jesus is the boss, he's Lord. We're at peace with our eternal destiny, our station in life, our gifts and our weaknesses, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and and the fact that our lives need to be laid down so we can find them. These are keys to peace. These are keys to having a lifestyle of thanksgiving. In the final analysis, uh, Colossians 3.15 is going to tell us just to be thankful. And in the final analysis, as with most things in life, living a lifestyle of thanksgiving comes down to a personal choice. Well, I wish I could be thankful. Well, stop wishing and choose to be thankful. And no matter, listen, listen this has been not the easiest year. Anybody anybody like, you know, to do 2020 again? I'm not sure 2021 is going to be much better I hate to burst your bubble. I hope so. Maybe. I don't know. But this I know. My God is on the throne. And I'm saved. And I'm headed for heaven. And I'm thankful. Amen.